0: 2,200 new apartments are proposed as a Fulton Market developer aims to build a series of projects between the former meatpacking district and the planned Bally's Casino site that could help establish a burgeoning new neighborhood. And I'll talk with Crane's reporter Corley Jay about Asian carp, specifically how the fish are getting a rebrand as a marketing tactic to help divert them from the water to restaurants and dinner tables across the country.
1: The name changes is a real is a real big, big part of this. So I feel like once you change the name and you put it on menus, people are really up to try anything. Honestly, I know I am.
0: I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist for Tuesday, June 21st. They called, when Trust answered, and helped more than 11,000 local businesses secure funding. Learn more at Wintrust.com dailygist Daily Gist. Member FDIC. I'm joined by Crane's reporter Corley J here to talk about Asian carp. So these fish are getting a rebranding as a marketing tactic to help divert them from the water to restaurants and dinner tables, which is not a thing I ever thought I would hear happening, but nonetheless, it is. Tell me what's going on.
1: Yeah, for sure. So Asian carp is an invasive fish, and they were accidentally dumped into the Mississippi River back like in the 70s. And They have been taken over because they multiply so fast and they eat up all the food from other fish. And we don't want that to happen here because Illinois is a gateway basically to Lake Michigan, of course, and other Great Lakes.
0: That seems like a big task because I think, you know, Asian carp have been in the news for a few years as this kind of invasive species. And this seems like a very big marketing project to try to convince people from, from like a pest to, hey, this is a, a food that we all want to order. What What's the, the process there?
1: Yeah, and that was a big thing too. So they said it was like a lot of misrepresentation of this fish. So Asian carp is not a bottom feeder. It gets uh, confused with common carp. And actually, Asian carp is a top feeder. They eat plants like plankton, because I guess like if it was a bottom feeder, it wouldn't be kind of a fear. But because they're taking food and other nutrients from other fish, then that's kind of the problem. Um, The rebranding is from the Illinois Department of Natural Resources, and it's actually $600,000 just to do this rebranding. And the effort includes hiring a sales team, bringing on distributors, retailers, and restaurants.
0: Who's leading that charge?
1: The Illinois Department of Natural Resources with the U.S. Environmental Protection Administration's Great Lakes Restoration
0: Initiative. That seems like just such a big project. But as you noted in your reporting, which I found really interesting, this is not the first creature from water to kind of get a rebrand. I don't think about animals needing a rebrand, but nonetheless. So Chilean sea bass, orange ruffy, piquito crab, all things, their their original names are not necessarily that uh, appetizing sounding.
1: Right, right. So you said the Pinky Toe Crab, once known as the Mud Crab, and then you have Orange Ruffy, also known as a Slime Head at first. So (laughs) that's funny. And I think that it's cool that
0: you have rebrands in other foods, such as prunes. What will it take really to to shift public opinion? And and it seems like it's been successful before. So are people optimistic?
1: Oh, yeah, very optimistic. It's all about the taste, right? So as long as it tastes good and people like it, there's no worries.
0: Still, I feel like you know if Orange Ruffy was on a menu, delicious or not, it would be a hard sell to call it slimehead, <laughs> sautéed slimehead. You know, right, right, right. The name changes
1: is a real, is a real big, big part of this. So I feel like once you change the name and you put it on menus, people are really up to try anything. Honestly, I know I am. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not hesitant to try new foods, and if it's yummy, I'm definitely going to keep ordering it.
0: So you talked to Professor Pradeep Chintagunta at University of Chicago Booth about this, this kind of rebrand. He made
1: a good point about things being on menu like at McDonald's, like as far as their fish sandwich. We don't necessarily know what kind of fish it is. We we'll order it anyway. And if it tastes good to me, like I said, I'm going to order it.
0: What is the new name going to be for Asian Carp?
1: So I do know the new name, but I cannot reveal that information because it will be released on June 22nd. Once they reveal that, everybody will know.
0: So the agency is going to announce this. This new name that we're going to know Asian Carp as, that seems kind of interesting. Yeah, it's cool, right? And then how long will this this rebrand campaign last?
1: It's uh, a six-year effort. We're well, starting in Illinois, but it's going to be pushed to be
0: changed nationally. So it's already kind of underway here. Yes. I'm suddenly very invested in this fish story. I wouldn't have thought... Right. So are you eager to try it? Sure, I would try it. Are you... Yeah, I am
1: eager. They sent some pictures over with, like, uh, tacos and burgers being made from the fish, which look kind of appetizing,
0: so. I mean, you know, try everything in life once, twice if you like it, right? I think that's a decent motto. Right, So once this, this fish, under its new name, once it starts hitting menus, is it going to be positioned as, like, a healthy food or not? Or how is that going to go?
1: Because people— Consider it as like a bottom feeder. They're trying to let us know that it's not, in fact, a bottom feeder. It's a top feeder, and it has nutritional value, uh, low levels of mercury, and being high in omega threes. That's one of the things that
0: they're pushing. And do you have a sense of how big of big a supply of Asian carp there? Is? I mean, we hear invasive, and it seems like oh, that means there's tons of them. Yeah, for sure.
1: Like they said that um yearly, twenty to fifty million pounds of Asian carp can be pulled from the waters.
0: 20 to 50 million pounds that's that's significant. So is there a particular company or food distributor that's sort of leading the charge to put these in restaurants and on, on our plates? No, I think it's just the Department of Natural
1: Resources and they and they're actually teaming with different restaurants and chefs to put put this on the menu to push people to kind of try it.
0: We've had the chef theme running for a while. We just talked about the James Beard Awards and now we're we're moving into the Asian Carp. maybe that, that those things should have been combined. Chef
1: Brian Jupiter, he was a contestant on Chopped. Okay. And he's kind of part of this rebranding and helping to push the trying of this fish.
0: Well, it's going to be interesting to, to find out the new name and to start seeing it on menus. I feel like uh, we'll all kind of be like, ah, I know what that is really.
1: <laughs> My personal opinion on it is that the people that already have like negative connotations and kind of use toward, towards the fish won't want to try it, even with the rebranding. You know? It's kind of for people who's un- who are unfamiliar with it.
0: Yeah they'll suddenly go, oh, what is this interesting fish on the menu? I'll just try that. Interesting. I think this is going to be an interesting story to look back on maybe in, you know, six months or a year and see suddenly this fish is all over the menu. And and it's this, all these chefs are using it when we're all kind of like, you know, that's the Asian carp we've been talking about.
1: Right. And, I, and I'm, I'm interested to in seeing if it's going to be like on like high-end high menus or we're going to see it on like these kind of fast food McDonald's type of thing.
0: Right. Will it be in the fish sandwich? Will it be, you know, of some fast food place? Or will it be, you know, a a part of a really fancy tasting menu of some high end restaurant? It'll be
1: right. Yeah. And I wonder how much it's going to cost for the, you know, average consumer. That's that's I feel like that's going to play a big role, too. And how much is if if it's plentiful? Then you would think that it wouldn't cost that much, as all. But everything
0: is going up, so you have to consider like inflation too. Not even the Asian carp spared from inflation, (laughs) hitting hitting everything. All right. Well, thanks so much. We will talk about this again once we know their new name and once we see how they do on menus. We will revisit this topic. Corley J, thanks so much. Thank you. Coming up, Chicago has a new black-owned bank in the works. We'll talk about that and more right after this. Here's a great way to stay in touch with Cranes Daily Gist. Subscribe to The Cranes Morning 10. It's our daily newsletter featuring the 10 biggest stories of the day. To subscribe, visit ChicagoBusiness.com/slash Morning 10.
2: This is The Cranes Daily Gist with Amy Guth.
0: One of the Fulton Market District's most prolific developers wants to build more than 2,200 apartments and a hotel on a series of sites between Fulton Market and the site of the planned Bally's Casino. In one of two zoning applications Chicago-based SHAPEC Partners is submitting to City Council this week, the developer aims to transform a property along Grand Avenue between Desplain Street and Union Avenue with a more than 1,100-unit apartment building and a 141-room hotel. A SHAPEC venture paid $25 million last month for the site, which is home to the closed Salvation Army store and donation center. And separately, SHAPEC also proposes to redevelop a trio of sites southwest of the Salvation Army property near near the intersection of Milwaukee, Union, and Hubbard. That according to the other zoning application. The proposal includes three buildings on three parcels, totaling more than 1,100 residential units, as well as ground floor retail space and a small amount of office space. Crane's commercial real estate reporter, Danny Ecker, has
2: the story in detail. This is such a strange thing on the surface. There are a lot of empty hotel rooms around the city right now, primarily in the bigger full-service hotels that rely on group events and business travel, But logically, you'd think, okay, so that must be reflected in the price I'll be paying for a room. But when you look online to book a room in downtown Chicago, it's the opposite in many cases. And it depends on the day of the week, but you'll likely be paying more than pre-pandemic prices. Uh, There's multiple factors in play here. Inflation is certainly one. uh, But the big driver is that the cost of labor and goods and other expenses for hotels like property taxes are all a lot higher right now. So if you're a hotel owner... Lowering your rates to try to fill more rooms just has diminishing returns. It's sort of an artificial right-sizing of supply in a market where there are way too many rooms for the amount of demand we have right now. It's good for most hotel owners, obviously, who are trying to recover from a really brutal two-year stretch here, but it's not good news for price-sensitive travelers, and there's some nervousness out there in the local tourism sector that the high cost of lodging in the city might keep some people away this year, which is something they cannot afford.
0: The DuSable Museum of African American History is changing its name to the DuSable Black History Museum and Education Center. Perry Ermer, the museum's president and CEO, said in a statement that while the DuSable is an iconic and historic institution, The organization is also, quote, constantly evolving to reach new audiences here at home and across the world. The statement continued by saying, quote, our new name and new visual identity further reinforce our founders commitment to preserve and promote black history, art and culture and to educate and inform our visitors, especially during these challenging times. Founded in 1961 in the Southside home of artist, writer, and educator Margaret Taylor Burroughs, the museum bills itself as the nation's first independent museum dedicated to the collection, preservation, and study of the history and culture of African Americans and people of African descent. The museum is now located in Washington Park, west of Hyde Park. The Blue Cross Blue Shield Association is moving its East Loop headquarters and joining the growing group of businesses downsizing their downtown office space. The nonprofit, which serves as the national association for 34 Blue Cross and Blue Shield companies, is leaving its current spot at 225 North Michigan, where it leases more than 200,000 square feet and moving into about 95,000 square feet in the Aon Center at 200 East Randolph. That according to a statement from Telos Group, the Chicago brokerage that handles leasing for the building. Crane's commercial real estate reporter Albie Galoon noted in his reporting that more companies have reassessed their office space needs with so many of their workers working remote or hybrid schedules since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. And that's one reason the downtown office vacancy rate has jumped to a record high reaching 21.2 percent in the first quarter, up from 13.8 percent prior to the pandemic, according to CBRE. Galoon also noted that the BCBS move will leave a large hole at 225 North Michigan, with a lease that accounts for nearly a quarter of the space in the 25-story tower. Black-owned banks in Chicago failed at a disproportionate rate in the Great Recession to the point that there's only one left. But Crane Steve Daniels reported that Seeky Ballard, founder of Chicago-based cannabis industry lender Tree Capital, has filed with state bank regulators to form Beta Bank. If approved to organize the lender, he will then move to raise $25 million in capital with plans to open in the summer of 2023. Daniels noted in reporting that Betabank would be just the second banking startup in Chicago since the 2008 financial crisis that led to the failure of more than four dozen banks. Beta bank would be entirely digital with no branches and would focus on lending to small businesses that would take what Ballard described as the biases inherent in credit approval out of the process. Daniels noted that the proposed bank is relying in large part on Google and Deloitte, which Ballard reportedly described as strategic vendors, to construct the technology platform and that would make it one of the first digital banks on Google Cloud built from scratch. Ballard must next get approval from the Illinois Division of Banking in order to organize the bank, which could take six to nine months. And while black-owned, Ballard says diversification is critical to keeping the bank financially healthy. He said, quote, the problem we're solving, which is unfair access to capital, is felt more acutely by minorities and women. He continued, but I think it's a problem that many small businesses across demographics experience. Find more detail on this story as well as many others at chicagobusiness.com.